0: The quality of mercy is not strained it droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath it is twice blessed it blesseth him that gives and him that takes This is how Shakespeare begins the famous soliloquy from Act 4 Scene 1 of The Merchant of Venice He's suggesting that it costs us it really costs us nothing to show mercy to others but in doing so, it makes human life flourish for everybody. Shakespeare lived at a time of political upheaval and religious intolerance. This might be why mercy and forgiveness are the twin themes that pervade his work. The political and social climate of the late 16th century England is uh, eerily similar to our own. What is the quality of mercy in today's partisan political rhetoric? It is our own anxious social and political climate that we've spent this past year listening to the Gospel of Luke. And mercy happens to be one of Luke's favorite themes, too. They're found especially in the parables that we have been listening to since July. The parable of the Good Samaritan, a story about showing mercy to a stranger. The parable of the lost sheep, a story about how God shows mercy to those who go astray. The story of the prodigal son, really, the parable of the merciful father and the merciless older brother. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus, a story about how not to show mercy. The judge and the poor widow about not giving up praying for mercy. The parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee in the temple about the kind of prayer that wins God's mercy for us. They all reveal something about God's kindly rule over men and women in the person of Jesus Christ. And while this Sunday's gospel is not strictly a parable, it is a story, well, let's call it a parable in action, about how mercy is extended to a hapless tax collector. There's something charming about the story of Zacchaeus, and that is in the respectful, even gentle way that Jesus calls him down from his perch in a sycamore tree. It throws, I think, into greater relief the fact that within ten days of this per- of this story in the gospel, Jesus himself will be hanging on the wood of a tree, and the crowd will be calling him down to prove that he's Messiah. All that's still four chapters away, though the present is pregnant with the future. St. Luke mentions that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. This is a loaded way of saying that he is filthy rich. The adjective filthy here is deliberate. He's filthy rich because he has not, he has not made his money honestly but by extorting taxes from his fellow Jews on behalf of an occupying power. Monarchies, autocracies, or democracies, whatever they call themselves, either ancient or modern forms of government, all share this one thing in common. They are kleptocracies. Those who rule are expert in finding ways to squeeze money out of the ruled. This is the origin of a modern pop song called The Taxman, the first track on the Beatles' album Revolver. If you drive a car, I'll tax the street. If you try to sit, I'll tax your seat. If you get too cold, I'll tax the heat. If you take a walk, I'll tax your feet, because I'm the tax man. The song was written by George Harrison when he discovered how much of the Beatles' income was going straight into the British treasury. There is a crucial difference. Rome sold the right to collect taxes to the highest bidder. It was called tax farming, a built-in element of corruption designed to make tax collectors both rich and friendless. Among Jews, there were sinners, both great and small, and below them all were tax collectors. So rich and friendly, friendless probably describes Zacchaeus. But he had another problem. Not only do people hate him because he collects their taxes, they mock him because he is vertically challenged. The crowd won't let him move to the front, so he climbs a sycamore tree. The better to see this Galilean rabbi pass by. Now, the crowd would have expected a prophet, and they certainly considered Jesus a prophet, to rebuke Zacchaeus for his corruption and greed. That's what the prophets did. Uh, As he so often does, however, Jesus defies their expectation. Instead, Zacchaeus becomes the central player in the drama of his own salvation when Jesus invites himself to his house for dinner. I owe to have been a fly on the wall in that first century dinner party. Whatever else went on, something happened that brought about a dramatic transformation of this pathetic Publican. So he stands up at some point in the meal and says, If I have defrauded anyone, I will make it up four times over. When news of that spread throughout the town, you can imagine the long lines outside his door the next morning. Like the parables of mercy that we have been listening to over the past four months, we see in today's passage unearned forgiveness for a sinner at its deepest and most personal level. God does not merely bestow mercy on the unrighteous. He squanders it liberally and without warning. The story of Zacchaeus is reenacted today here and wherever people are gathered to celebrate the Eucharistic meal. We may not be tax collectors, but in our own unique way, we are all, every single one of us without exception, experts in the art of sinning. This is why every Eucharist begins with a penitential rite, admitting who and what we are is the first stage in our own drama of salvation so that Christ can say to us, Today, salvation has come to your house.